It's not just about mastering technology. It's not just about brand or messaging. It's not just about making more money. It's about showing up in a big way so your people can find you. This is about bringing your most wild and authentic self into the hustle and grind. Welcome to Tactical Magic, a business strategies podcast for the warrior goddess entrepreneur. Hey everyone, welcome back to Tactical Magic Podcast. This is Molly Mandelberg, your host, and I have a good friend and fellow writer with me, Madeline Eno. Madeline Eno MA helps creative entrepreneurs remember what they are here to say and discover the most compelling container in which to say it. She weaves lessons from her previous life as a magazine editor and yoga teacher into her work. In her Find Your Golden Thread and book mapping sessions, clients discover the soul and meaning of their stories so they can then confidently write their books, connect with their tribe, and change the world in their own magical way. Her clients describe Madeline as a mix of wordsmith, alchemist, cheerleader, handholder, editor, and intuitive guide. Welcome to the show, Madeline. Thanks, Molly. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, so just tell us a little bit about um, your work and how you help people. I know we gave a little gist of it right there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. And I've been um, working mostly with clients on books the last couple of years. I'm a, I've been a copywriter and still do a bit of that work with clients. And I teach writing still to kids and adults. Um, but the bulk of my time lately has been working on books, which are a very compelling um, uh, project for people because a lot of people want to write a book or a lot of people, I guess the way to say that is a lot of people want to have written a book. <laughs> they they right. want to be holding their completed book in their hands. They don't necessarily want to write a book. Yeah. So what I've tried to do is create um, a whole bunch of different ways for to make that a little bit more easy and joyful for people to write a book that's actually readable. I'm not the book in a weekend gal, and those are great if you want to do that. Yeah, more more power to the people that want to do that. I really believe in if you're going to put your time and energy and money into writing a book to write something that people will remember and might climb into bed and read and really enjoy and underline and fold down. And, yeah. Um, have some fun with. Awesome. So do you do all the writing for people or are you walking them through writing? Are you guiding them in the process? Are you, you know, giving them assignments and then they come back to you? What is that process? Yeah. Like? yeah, kind of all of the above. I've ghost, I'm a ghostwriter for people who are, who really want to write a book and either they don't have time um, or they're just seriously consider themselves not writers and don't want to have that process. So I'll interview them a lot and use the actual kind of words from their mouth and massage that into a manuscript. So um, that's kind of one end of the spectrum and the, a lot of steps along the spectrum might include, um, we always start with book mapping, just to map out where we're going, no matter if you're writing or I'm writing. So people have various levels of um, involvement. Some people just want to hand it over, some people want to, get a book map and run off and write their book and then bring the manuscript back for me to edit. And some people like having a weekly chat and having a check-in and sending in their homework each, each week or month or whatever we decide, depending on how fast they want to want to get it done. Awesome. So you're both an accountability coach for writers and also you can do it all for them. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 
Will you tell us more about the book map and what that's like? Yeah, that is um, just about to do one in the morning. So it's a good time to talk about it because I've been, <laughs> I've been away in, uh, out of the country for a couple of weeks. So it's a good time to kind of come back and talk about that. Um, yeah, in the book map process, um, it's kind of a sacred time together because people are really, it's a big deal to write a book. And I really want to get at what people are really here to say, like what's really, what is this book really, really about? And it's kind of creating a legacy. So I treat that book map session pretty um, with a lot of honor around it, because I know it's a big deal to share what you're here to write about. So the book mapping session is either a day or a whole weekend, and it's either on Zoom or an in-person retreat. So it can go from kind of a mini session all the way to a two-day session. And we really just look at what you're here to say and what your writer's voice is like we do we start to get some writing going so you're you're starting to own the process and then we so we kind of started the big with a big picture of um of all of that your voice what you're here to say what you really want your ideal i work mostly with business owners so what you're wanting to teach or share with your clients and then we get down into the nitty gritty of how many chapters should this be? Um, what's the feel of the book? What's included in each chapter? So we go from the kind of mega level down to a very micro level of what's, what's included in each, um, in each chapter so you can go through it. And then I give a whole bunch of um, what I call snackables so that, you always have something to do when you sit down and write. Even if you have five minutes today to work on your book, you have you might have a snackable that's look for other books with the title ice cream cone <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, it might be just some little research task that you have to do. So you have a whole bunch of um, actions you can keep taking just to keep you in the book because people will think if I don't have two hours right I'm not going to work on it mm -hmm. and that's where we start to slip and slide so again those structures so the book map also includes a lot of structures just to keep you going awesome yeah I love that snackables I talk about bite-sized <laughs> chunks but snackables is yeah. a way to put that <laughs> snackables, just a little snack of your book today <laughs> yeah that's so fun um, when I had first learned about you and your work and gotten to know you, you had mentioned this concept of having a container inside of which to write your book and how that makes it easier for the story to sort of flesh mm -hmm. out and make sense and take us on a journey. Would you say more about what that is and maybe some examples of containers people may have? Read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the container is just the delivery. So you have your message. The container is the delivery system for it. So it's how you're handing over your book. And if you, you know, an easy way to think about it in a book that most people have read is like Eat, Pray, Love is 108 chapters because Amala is 108 beads. So she got really clear you know, that was her container. Okay, it's going to be a mala. And I know I have 108. So I can start to, you know, chunk that out. Um, she's three sections of the book. So 34 
ish in each section so she can start to um, break down the mini containers within her larger container so there's um, uh, containers or another word for container might just be the structure of your book mm -hmm. so there's structures um, I've got a, a client, a wonderful client just wrote a book um, that just came out and it's about her journeys to, um, her shamanic journeys with different plant medicine and then the lessons that she learned. So in that container, she was just gonna have it be the lessons from each plant, but then we really started thinking we wanted to kind of almost cast a spell with the book. Mm. So she wrote a prayer that the plant would say to a human, <laughs> like this is the message that the plant is giving you. And then she described her journey, like she had pretty cool journeys talking to each plant, and then kind of the takeaways. So once we got that, um, that container, if you will, it allowed the book to be much more um, enchanting. So the container will allow, depending on what you want to, um, what you want to convey, the container allows you to expand into that. Awesome. Um, if, if that makes is that starting yeah, to make totally. sense? Yeah, totally. I okay. love that. Yeah, and it allows you to get really free because writing a book is like stepping into the wilderness like even if you have a pretty clear idea of what you want to write about it's you end up in the woods looking like where am i going i have no nothing looks familiar i don't know where i am so the more i i have the container i kind of know what the whole thing is going to look like and then i know what each like the distance from this tree to that tree and that tree is mm -hmm. this you know the, the elements of each chapter so it's it's literally a map yeah and it's yeah. almost like a more poetic way of outlining a book instead of saying I'm going to have mm -hmm. you know, 12 chapters and I'm going to talk about this in each chapter it's sort of like you're pre-planning the journey that people will be going on with you and the metaphor yes. and the theme yes be, uh, interlaced inside of it it's pretty awesome yeah yeah and how you really want the reader to feel you know things that an outline doesn't necessarily convey or what's the feeling I want to leave the reader with with this book and um, you know, what's the voice of this chapter or with this, you know, or um, what else, what will my journey be like as I write this is also not included in the outline because it's mm -hmm. such a huge part of the book is, yeah. you know, keeping your energy as you, as you write it. So that's also included in the book now. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And what an emotional roller coaster it can be to let your story actually come out of you and watch it go onto a page. It's the craziest thing. It's the best thing and the craziest thing at the same time. Yeah. 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 It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it makes your heart, it makes your heart stronger. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. As any love and lesson and loss can, can yes. be expressed. Yes. So what are some things that you want to make sure are included in a, in a book? What are some, I don't know, elements or ways to bring emotion or what are some things that you most look for when you're editing a book or when you're helping somebody draw that map? Yeah. Well, 
the way I would, I guess how I would answer that is really story. Like we can get any information that we want, as you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't really need to buy a book anymore to get the information that we need. Generally speaking, we, we get a book for different things. We get a book to really, really be inspired and to be moved and emotionally engaged or entertained or all of the above. So to me, story is the vehicle to get to do all of those things. So I generally work with people whose story is story or client stories or some aspect of story is woven through the book. Um, and yeah, so I think that allows us to emotionally engage um, and to entertain and um, to really teach in a way that's really memorable just because of the way the brain engages with story is such a different thing than uh, the way the brain engages with facts. Yeah, it's one of the most ancient things people have been telling stories for yeah. tens of thousands of years, maybe hundreds of thousands. Yeah, as a way of teaching. And we, you know, there's all these cool studies that show like a brain watching a PowerPoint has only two areas that light up the mm. language area and the meaning area. So you hear the language and you make meaning out of it or you give it meaning. But when you're being told a story, especially a story that has an arc of emotion and um, description and sensory detail, I think it's something like 11 parts of the brain are all lighting up. And that's why we remember what we hear in a story. Like if you tell it, you know that, if you tell a story from the stage, people probably for years are coming up and saying, you know, I remember your story about the horse in yeah. the bedroom or whatever the story was. <laughs> it's just our brain is much more alert and alive. And that's, and especially with a book, we want our reader to feel alert and alive. So, so I would say practicing to the best thing to include is story and really working on um, practices as a writer that allow you to ground into your writer's voice and uh, the creative source so you can tell stories masterfully mm. and engage at that level. Um, I know what you mean, but will you tell the listeners what you mean by creative source? Yeah, well, you know, I don't think we're alone when we have an idea to write a book, right? I don't think it just, maybe some people are like, I should write a book just to, you know, to get my name out there or write a business card book. And again, that's great and fine. But when we have that really special um, nudge to write and to share, uh, my belief is it's divinely inspired and to keep the channels open to that creative source whatever you believe it is, is really important because our own little brain is just going to get tired and grumpy and uh, not want to sit down and write when it can go watch Netflix and all those things. So the more we can be uh, a channel for something to come through us, I think the more that's just going to be an, an ally as we're writing. Mm -hmm. I love that. There are many, yeah. 
ways that that can come to life too. Like there are stories and ideas and projects that want to come through you. And there's ways to tap into that. If you feel like you're alone in this and you need support in that project book story idea, then you can tap into that too. It goes both ways. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. 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 Um, Elizabeth Gilbert did a great part in her book, big magic about that, where, you got to write that stuff when it comes to you because that idea wants to be born and if you don't let it out, it will go somewhere else. And I know I haven't published my first novel. I haven't published my first novel yet because I'm still wanting to get representation for it and go the old fashioned route with publication of that. But I had that fear for the first few years of working on it was you better focus on that. You better write it or someone else is going to write it first. And yeah. that was really present for me. It was a really a driving force for me to get that book out there. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you had a novel sitting there. <laughs> yeah, it's sitting there. <laughs> it's I'll exciting. let you read it someday. Oh, I'd love to. Um, yeah, but- it's it's really true. The muse, and it's not even, I, won't, I don't think it's as specific as the muse. I just think we are uniquely, generally uniquely designed to to share something unique that's ours to share Mm -hmm. and if it goes to the next person the next person is going to do it a little bit differently chances are without your your uh special signature right but yeah i i really agree with that yeah and it's and it's you know the people that i generally work with are the people who do not want to this is pushing at their uh this is nudging them so hard that they cannot ignore it. Yeah. Um, those are generally the people that I want to work with and right. end up working drive. with. Yeah. They got the drive, but they're also like, I have to do this no matter what. And it's kind of that no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So as a writer, I want to ask you two things. I'll let you decide which one you want to answer first, but what are the books you recommend the most? What have been the most moving books for you? And also what's your favorite thing that you've written and why was that your favorite thing to have written? Oh, those are great questions, both of them. Um, well, I'll answer the first one because there's that, I really believe some, some people will say, don't read while you're writing. And I'm generally not one of those. Um, I just, <laughs> I love to read so much. And in fact, one of my mentors just said she was giving up uh, coffee and fiction and I I almost dropped my extra large <laughs> cappuccino when she said that. I was just like oh my god you're giving up fiction just because it takes her away from her truth and wow. that's valid that's totally valid right that's totally cool but I love entering into I would miss worlds. it so much I would yeah. miss it so much it brings so much joy um so I would say I'm of the read a lot and write a lot camp. And I generally have some nonfiction and fiction going at the same time. And I've been trying to read a lot more memoir, straight on memoir lately, just to, because I'm helping people a lot more with that. So just to really see what works um, and kind of parse different memoirs. And one that I just read, I don't know if you've read it, read it is, Blood, Bones, and Butter by Gabrielle Hamilton. No, but I'll uh, put that on my list. Oh, it's just amazing. She's a, a chef in New York, and it's her memoir of cooking. And she was kind of a, um, 
kind of a punky 80s kid in uh, New York and who just became this world-renowned chef and it's hers. She traveled a lot and gathered a lot of wisdom about aspects of food that go way beyond food. So it's how she sort of shares love through she food. Gives, she gives you that container right from the get-go too, huh? Yeah. Blood, bones, yeah. and butter. Right? Yeah, blood, bones, and butter. The three like big that. ingredients. Um, and uh, I find uh, Stephen King's, a couple books on writing, the one book is called On Writing. Stephen King's On Writing is fantastic. Mm. And it's his story and of how he became a writer, but he's teaching about how to write in sharing his own story. He's just a delightful writer. Um, and, oh man, I'm just rereading for book group. We're re reading um, uh, uh, oh my God, the name just went right out of my head. Atticus Finch and Scout and Oh yeah. Um, Mockingbird. Mocking, to Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> that is so, that is just, she is just such a crafty writer. So I think it's wonderful to read fiction, just to look at sentence structure and how people put, how people put a story together. So, um, yeah. yeah and I, how they put words together and how different people's voices can be. I, I read all kinds of books. I read all kinds of business, marketing, online strategy yeah. books, all kinds of fiction, all kinds of, uh, I just read one, I guess you could call it a memoir. It was just like a collection of silly stories by this crazy woman. Um, but it was hilarious and amazing. And I know a book is good if I have to put it down in order to write because a story that someone's telling me or a concept that they touch on suddenly spurs my brain to go in all these new directions. So I don't know how so people cool. write without reading at the same time because yeah. it gives you that like burst of inspiration, yes. the same, the same, the same burst of inspiration that comes to me when I start off on a new trip. As soon as I get on the road by myself or as soon as I sit down yeah. at an airport waiting to board a plane, that light turns on for me. So it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like the mastermind too. And yeah. it's And I think what happens too is when you start to narrow down your topic, like what am I an expert at, which you need to really claim when you're writing a book, all of a sudden things drop in books and random things drop in and you'll pull a book off the shelf and there'll be something exactly. When I started working with this, I created this thing called find your golden thread and I got really into Michael Mead. Um, do you know Michael Mead? Yeah. The Seattle guy. Um, storyteller, mythologist. Anyhow, he, he has this whole thing about talking about the golden thread that weaves all through our life. And I had just imagined this thing. So it's kind of amazing. Once we, once we narrow our own lens, and I think that's a really important part of writing a book or writing anything or becoming a writer, just narrowing your lens, even momentarily, to um, almost to expand into the universal but we've got to make it small to begin with yeah and then uh, yeah I love that I also found that miraculous uh things happened as I was writing my first book I'm working on another one now so I can say first book 
instead of yes, just yeah. <laughs> um, but that I would forget that I had like planted a seed or started a sub um, subplot and would write the end of it organically. And then, you know, later as I was reading through, I'd be like, oh yeah, I totally, you know, paid off that setup without even thinking about it because there's a part of you that's working on that all the time anyway. There's like some inner part of you that knows all the loose ends that need to get completed and that knows all the places that you can sort of bring a sense of wholeness in later on as the book progresses and that your cognitive brain is in in charge of all of it, that there's another part of you that's running that that's really amazing once you get into a big project like that. So you feel like you're lost in the woods, but if you keep putting one finger on the keys in front of another absolutely and this little helpers come along totally totally no everything conspires yeah you sound like a writer i have to say (laughs) you know this about me (laughs) yeah definitely sound like a writer i come from a long line of writers too so i i have a blessing in that that i've been around teachers and writers and big thinkers for my whole life which is a huge gift because it means that I don't discount the value of writing or of literature, of authorship. Um, I yeah, think some people believe it's really not valuable. possible. And even if, you know, not every novelist is going to get rich as a novelist, if there's a thing trying to come out of you, there is no greater way to spend your time than letting that thing come out of you, I think. I really believe that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, we change so much in the process too. There is nothing to me, the mornings I write versus the mornings I don't write just night and day different. I feel like I belong in the world once I've written, once I've just connected again with that creative expression and man, that we get to do that is just incredible. I know. Um, Yeah. But it's very, I've really, I've come to realize at this stage of life that it's just a necessary ingredient to survival yeah. expression and for so many people yeah it's just writing releases light expression releases light and if yeah. you can do that just a, a 20 minutes a day even that's something i'd also, absolutely i'd love to know for you also like i have a morning and evening writing practice that is like it's akin to stretching before you go for a jog to me like it's never something I mean, sometimes it is, and most of the time it isn't something juicy and usable and, um, you know, mm-hmm. I can't apply it to what I'm actually creating during the day. But if I don't do that, not only is there less light in my life because I haven't done my little ritual practice of writing, but there's less accessibility to the good words because I haven't dumped all the other words out already, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's like I that have to have a... totally release. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, what do you do? I mean... I, I don't want to assume that you write every day, but do you write for work or for a purpose every time? Or do you have some sort of ritual around it that isn't, it's not always for jobs? Yeah, I do have a ritual that's not always for jobs. And um, I have a little morning ritual that's a little bit of reading because again, you know, you're waking up with... I think it just helps guide my mind in a certain way. So I get up in the dark and read a little bit, uh, meditate a little bit, and then write. And I'm just sometimes just writing down little 
words that might have bubbled up in meditation or a dream or just following a little thread of something. But I have to say, sometimes those are things I end up, this morning I posted one, I, I was thinking about this little frog I saw in Costa Rica, just on Friday. <laughs> um, and it's like, God, I felt so much like that frog. The more I thought about the frog's protective ways, I was like, God, there's such like a human protective ways. And as I was just thinking about that, so I wrote a little something and it's like, this it could be a fun, this could maybe be formed into kind of an essay. So no, it wasn't a client project, but mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was a little flash of something that came in the early morning that I, I now feel excited to kind of play with. So sometimes they turn into something and sometimes I have, you know, the, yeah, it's like the, I live in a tiny house, but I do have the crate of old notebooks that I right. can't quite part with, but yeah. I'm sure the you brain, do now. The brain gonna, dump. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I leave them at my mom's house when, I yeah. have, when they're full <laughs> and I've pulled all the good ideas out. Yeah. You've got your daily practice and that, breeds sometimes ideas and sometimes it doesn't do you have a system for getting those ideas out of your notebook oh here's what I really wanted to ask you my brain just came back around to it I there's this evil voice that happens to us sometimes that says I'll remember that I'm not gonna write it down I'll remember it later how do you deal with that (laughs) my god not well I was last night I drifted off to sleep and I had a whole like I don't even know what it was now, but it was a whole something. It was like, oh, I can do that and that and that and then connect it by doing that. Ah, oh, that's brilliant. And then so tired. Yeah. <laughs> so just drifted off to sleep. No, I have I have moved to my bedroom notebook and I'm going to put it back there. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, I have to say that iPhone or just the smartphone is kind of handy for just leaving little audios for yourself memos yeah um no but don't trust your voice don't trust your memory to remember that little. yeah that voice is the (laughs) devil those don't listen to it yeah i think that's crazy yeah i was i resolve to uh never listen to that voice more than i make any other kind of resolution which is, <laughs> I promise if you send me that idea again, I will write it down. I promise. I will pull over and write it down. That is so funny. No, I'm so glad you asked that question because that is, that is huge. Because I think I, I, that's such a great point because so often the most important part of writing is just getting up from the computer and going out into the woods and just taking a little walk or going to watch a movie or something just to get your brain out of the um asking it to deliver right i think we're just asking just be keep thinking keep writing keep coming up with something give your brain a little break but have a tool to write down when you give your brain a little break and a system like i mark good ideas in my notebook while i'm brain dumping all the other stuff i'll put a big circle that if the circle doesn't have a check mark through it it means i never took it out of the notebook and so then yes to go back through i haven't done that in a while i have a couple new notebooks i need to go back through but (laughs) and that's kind of cool because that just taps us into we are we've got it all inside and i think that's the biggest piece is that a lot of people what one of the um 
uh, sticky parts is that people want to keep, and I'm definitely one of them. Let me just research a little bit more, read a little bit more, learn a little bit more mm -hmm. instead of let me just mine and excavate what I have and what I've developed and what I've been percolating on all these years. And, and that's what I think the time in the morning allows to happen that we start to mine our own our own selves rather than start to just write for delivery to an audience because yeah. we I always suggest my clients do that morning ritual just because it's so important to to dig in your own gold yeah for first and remind yourself and the, and the old notebooks are great proof of that just more evidence yeah there's a yeah. lot there. So how yeah. can people get a hold of you? Uh, my website is in the right place. Uh, and right is spelled W-R-I-T-E. Um, in the right place.com. And it's just about to become a new website this week, in fact. But it will just transfer over there. It'll be the same. Um, so good. Yes. Um, so they can find me there. And uh, I send out uh, tips and ideas. So you can welcome to join, um, join that list and I can send you some ideas just to keep, um, the process as joyful as possible. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. And do you work with people remotely just so people know if they're not in Oregon that they can still work with you? Oh yes. Mostly. Okay. Mostly Great. remotely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, check her out. I will put that link in the description of this podcast wherever you guys are listening to it that's in the right place with madeline eno thank you so much for being on the show i love this conversation i hope it inspired some of the listeners out there to get back to their writing or to let that book come out of them at last thank you molly it's always wonderful to talk with you and i, I so appreciate this time with you thanks Yay. awesome bye everyone Thanks for tuning in to Tactical Magic. To find out more, please visit our website, wildheartsriseup.com. Be sure to take a second and subscribe to the show and come back next week for another edition of Tactical Magic.